As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everyone, to SI Media with Jimmy Trainer. Thank you for listening. We have an excellent episode for you this week. We always have an excellent episode. This one is especially excellent. We have WWE icon legend Stone Cold Steve Austin on the show. He has a show on A&E, Stone Cold Takes on America. And we get into a lot of uh, wrestling topics, reminiscing, great stuff from uh, his run in the WWE he reveals a never-told-before story about his Austin 316 shirt, talks about the legendary pop he got helping Mick Foley win the WWE title and a bunch of stuff with Stone Cold following him. We have uh, my former colleague and current athletic media writer Richard Deitch to go around the horn on a slew of sports media topics in the news. We cover everything from Amazon and Thursday Night Football getting flex scheduling to uh, ESPN's NBA studio show versus TNT studio show, uh, some streaming issues, cover all of the latest sports media news with Richard. And then, of course, Sal Licata joins me to close out the show as he does each week with our Train of Thoughts segment. So Stone Cold, Richard Deitch, Train of Thoughts on this episode. Before we get to it, just quickly, if you missed last week, got a lot of great feedback from uh, listeners on the interview I did with NFL Vice President of Broadcast Planning, Mike North, who is one of the main people in the NFL office who puts together the schedule. And we went through uh, everything you can imagine about the 2023 schedule. And everyone, well, I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people listened to that, reached out, and really enjoyed the interview. So if you missed it, check that out in the archives. You can also check out Mike Breen, who was on the podcast two weeks ago, Ian Rappaport three weeks ago, Rich Eisen four weeks ago. So check those out. Subscribe to SI Media with Jimmy Trainer. Leave a review on Apple. Probably read it uh, next week as we close out May. We'll read the May Apple reviews with Sal and Trainer Thoughts. So subscribe, rate, review on Apple. And uh, that's it. Now just sit back and relax and enjoy this podcast with Stone Cold Steve Austin, followed by Richard Deitch, followed by Trainer Thoughts, all right here, right now on SI Media with Jimmy Trainer. All right, joining me now, the word is used often. In this case, it is completely accurate. A legend 
WWE superstar, and the host of his own show now on A&E, Stone Cold Takes on America, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Second time with me here on the SI Media Podcast. Steve, how you doing? Always oh, good to talk to you, man. How you doing? I'm well. First time I had you on, we discussed manicures and pedicures. You still still taking care of yourself every now and again? I haven't had one of those since the <laughs> last time I talked about it, man. I'm, I'm clipping my own toenails. I need to be clipped right now. It's probably too much information. Uh, I'm out here in northern Nevada. Uh, I, I got to put on this this lotion every night. My hands are so dry from this cold winter we've been through. It's a whole different story. But all is good over here, and it's good to see your face again. Appreciate you doing this. Like I said, you're hosting a show on A&E. I think we're three episodes in. Stone Cold Takes on America, Sunday nights at 10 o'clock. A&E and, and WWE do some really great stuff with their shows. And I want to get into some things about your show. But before we get to it, just a couple of quick wrestling questions while I got you here off the top. Um, two things. You, do you still follow WWE closely? Are you watching and keeping up? as much as you can or it's something you pick up here and there as much as I can through social media. And I don't hardly do any social media. I'm a little bit more active on Instagram, but on, mm -hmm. on the wrestling side of it, of course I follow them. So I'm able to keep up with a lot of storylines or at least quick segments. Uh, so that's how I keep up with it. And if it's a major pay-per-view, of course I watch Royal Rumble. I watch WrestleMania. I watch the, the major events. Right. So I still do follow not intently, but I still do. So what did you make of, it seemed like the wrestling world was convinced Cody Rhodes was going to finally end the reign, no pun intended, of Roman Reigns. And then Roman won, and people were like apoplectic about it. What did you make of that decision there from the WWE? I was asked that question a little uh while back, closer to the moment that it happened, and I thought it was the right call at the right time for the right reasons. And they had it set up as a you know storybook ending. This is going to complete the story. Cody was going to win that coveted belt that he wanted to complete the mission for his father, and had his beautiful wife and, and baby out there. And all the pieces were set. And then all of a sudden, outside interference, they're having a great match. They build it perfectly. So Solo Sokoa comes out there. It's Jimmy J. It's Sammy Kevin. It's chaos. So when the ref goes down, I mean, it was a great finish, and I loved it. And I, I think that. You know, Roman's so hot right now. He's doing so great. Uh, I thought it was the right finish. I loved it. Uh, I think the time when, when whenever Cody does win that belt, I think that I think this makes the people. Dave LaGreca said, you know, this, they missed out on an opportunity. Man, to me, it, it only it only made an opportunity for you to care more about Cody Rhodes. And I give that kid so much credit for leaving WWE, going and doing what he did, coming back and then fighting through an injury and coming back to performing in a magnificent match on a grand stage. So I thought they got it right. Yeah, you know, it's funny. At the time, I was kind of it's I like both guys because both Roman has been on this podcast like six or seven times and Cody was on right before then. And I like I really like them both a lot. And I figured, oh, the Cody story is a nice story, and I was, I th maybe it's time. And then when you, th when I thought about it after the fact, the WWE definitely has something here with the thousand days as champion. When you think about it now, looking back at WrestleMania, why wouldn't they go a little longer to get to that thousand days? So 
I got it from that same. I had to ask you. I mean, listen, there was no one bigger and hotter than you in WWE history. Do you remember what your longest reign was? Wasn't very long. Really? It wasn't about title reigns. This, I think, um, this because they have something so special with Roman. I don't think they intended on it being an, a, th- a thousand day reign, whatever it is right now. But he, the kid, the young man, has just put the pieces together so good. And he, he really struggled because when Vince kind of chose him and they were writing him some bad stuff and he had to find himself and in, in some ways kind of like the rock when the rock first came out man here's this good looking guy and people just said oh no it turned into one of the hottest acts ever so then all of a sudden roman starts evolving and he finds himself and then all of a sudden one thing leads to another it's like holy cow we're a thousand days in so this is special and i i, I know three years ago they weren't saying we're gonna get a thousand Day run out of this kid. No, it didn't happen like yeah. that. He's just been so damn good. He's learned everything. He's he's just got that alpha state going on, and the time is right for Roman Reigns. And when the time comes for someone else, it will. But just by putting a belt on Cody to make Cody or complete the story, if you're looking big picture, that's the wrong thing to do. Cody's time will, will come, and when it does come, it will be the right time. Got it. Um do you follow AEW at all? Uh, a little through social media. What I catch on social media, but that's it. I don't. What, what's the question? Well, I mean, it seems like all anyone talks about with AEW is CM Punk coming back, not coming back, coming back, not coming back. Had the incident. Uh, you know, I don't know. I to me, sometimes it seems like he's more trouble than it's worth. I don't know if that's true. I don't know. You know, you never know what's a work, what's a shoot. And I hate using those terms with a wrestler because I feel like it makes me sound like an idiot, but I don't know the other terms to use for that. Um, is he worth the trouble to to employ and have around? Because it always seems like there's an issue with him. I don't know the trouble. And it's funny because uh, I just uh, sent, mess- sent a message to Punk yesterday and we were just talking about his dog. He had posted a picture of his dog, and I sent him a mm-hmm. message. And then I had heard through the grapevine that he pulled his tricep. And so I said, hey, man, did you tear your tricep? And he said he confirmed that he had. So I don't know where it is on the healing process. I don't know the ins and outs or the behind-the-scenes stuff. We, we have a TV, and, like, we stream a show every night. But other than that, I, I don't watch TV, so I don't watch any shows. What what I do keep up with uh, on uh, about wrestling is on social media. So I don't know if there's a soap opera behind uh, Punk, or I think he's a hell hellacious talent. So I don't know of the trouble, the trouble or the ongoings of what you speak. Mm-hmm. So I can't answer that question, and that's an honest response because I got you. No. Yeah, yeah. Last thing, and then we'll we'll get on to the the show. Stone Cold takes on America on A and E Sunday nights. Were you surprised? What was your reaction when you found out the WWE was sold and Vince McMahon gave up his company, even though he's still a part of it? I mean, I don't think, uh, maybe I'm wrong. You can tell me. I think a lot of people never thought Vince would ever sell, and then he sold. I think a lot of people were shocked. I don't know if you were, but I'd love to get your reaction on the sale. No, I wasn't shocked at all. You know, it had been in the grapevine, and it happened, and it kind of made sense. I mean, UFC did it. Uh, so why not WWE, you know, Triple H went out there and cut that promo saying that they're not going anywhere, meaning the people that are running WWE. I mean, it still needs to, I think it needs to come from a, a wrestling minded, you know, family type thing or, or those key players to, I mean, it's, it's, that's a tricky business. Not anybody just 
with a television background walks into the pro wrestling industry or the sports entertainment industry, whatever they want to call it, mm. and can produce great results. So you, you, you keep the people running it that do because they know their fan base probably as good as anyone or better than anybody. So, you know, another business. I remember when Vince took that company public uh, years ago, and I asked him, I said, Vince, why do you want to do this? He goes, Steve, to, 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 to legitimize the business. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm an old school wrestler. I don't have that business brain that Vince had. Right. Like, Dude, I think, I think you ought to just hang on to it yourself. But anyway, he's done what he's done. He's the greatest wrestling promoter that ever lived. And it's a business opportunity and the machine rolls on. It is a machine. Uh, you, you've, you've become a machine in your post wrestling career. I mean, I've always said, I think you're a phenomenal podcast host. The way, the way you ask questions, the, the show you did on WWE Network, even I, I, I loved your interviewing style. Now we've got um, A and E here. Stone Cold takes on America. Well, I'll ask you a couple more wrestling questions before we wrap. But tell everyone what the show is about, what they can expect from the show, and what you're doing here with A and E on Sunday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern. Well, you know, just to talk about how the show came to be. You know, I got a phone call from a colleague that used to work at uh, USA Network, and she, she asked me, and she said, hey, you interested in doing anything? I said, yeah. And I said, what do you want to do? <laughs> and she said, let me get back to you. And she called me back, and she said, hey, man, what about doing a show where you go out and do things that you've always wanted to do, a bucket list kind of show? I said, sounds good. And so we partnered up with A&E. And so in some of these activities, it's, it's not all stuff that was on my, on my bucket list. Some of it would be stuff that I never thought in a million years I would do. So then why do it? But, you know, when you combine all your different ideas, you come up with, with the show. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, one of the things was when they greenlit this show, they, they greenlit this show in the dead of winter. And my wife and I said, well, surely they're going to wait till spring. Like right now would be a great time to start filming this show because of the weather. The grass is green outside and the days are long. The, the, the weather was cold and the days were short. We lost light, light fast, so we are fighting against a lot of obstacles, but the, uh, and combining all the ideas, you have some, uh, adrenaline to testosterone, uh, field adventures, which are right up my alley. And then you have some other things that are fish out of water, which in some people's minds can make for interesting TV. Um, uh, as we're going into, I think what episode four next week, uh, I think in about the next week or two, I'll start finding myself in the show because Although it's called Stone Cold Takes on America, I'm not being Stone Cold. I'm being Steve. And so some of those fish out of water segments for me were extremely painful. And they say, hey, man, being uncomfortable makes you grow as a person. Eh, I've grown enough. I don't really care to be uncomfortable. <laughs> some of these segments, I was out of my league and uncomfortable. Yeah, people say you got to step out of your comfort zone. I'm always like, why? I'll, exactly. I'll stay in the yeah. I'll stay in. yeah. Yeah, and life's too short to be out of your comfort zone. I think a lot of the best, God dang, Jimmy, a lot of the best moments in that show are going to end up on the floor because that was me, you know, and the crew. The, I had about six people in that. I drove every single mile of every single trip and slept in a hotel only one time. I slept in that RV the whole time uh, we shot that show. Some of the best moments of me bonding with that crew and some of the after-hours adventures is some of the best material yeah. on the show. But uh, it's about doing the adventures and is bonding with that crew. And I'm thankful for the crew that we had because if we'd had a bunch of J-Brones on that crew, it would have been a, it wouldn't have been pretty. We had tried and true veterans, and they helped out. Out of everything you've taped so far, what 
what moment had you the most nervous? What activity or challenge or what what was the single most nervous Stone Cold has been filming that Steve has been filming that show? Well, trying to uh, do the weather report on uh, well, the call time was twelve forty five a.m. I didn't even sleep. I was tired from the day before. Showed him at two fifteen to go live at four thirty in the morning. <laughs> and I watched this young lady tell me about how she does the weather, and I'm thinking, oh man, I've got to be as good as she does as she is. And it's, no, I didn't. But I, I got in my head so much, Jimmy. I, I outworked myself, and I got nervous. Uh, dude, I'm never nervous on live TV. I'm at 11 on live TV. And a matter of fact, when the red light goes on, I'm at my best. And that day, I was at my worst. And so that and taking orders at a steakhouse where I had no game, I had no presentation. I can't just throw down a menu and say, hey, if you want a medium rare steak, give me a hell yeah. That's not what I was doing. <laughs> so there was a lot of failures on my part, but you know, those were some of the moments where I was at my most uncomfortable. You know, it's so funny you said that because one of the notes I had I had taken in preparation for this was I watched a, a clip of you. Um, you were getting in a car, driving on some sand, hilly sand. And th- this is the fascinating thing about pro wrestling. Like I know Stone Cold Steve Austin is the WWE character, and I know there's Steve Williams who's a person. And when I saw it, I still it it threw me off as a wrestling fan and a Stone Cold fan. It threw me off to see you nervous. I was like, no, no, this guy's never supposed to get nervous about anything. This is what is this? What is going on here? Well, that's an interesting thing, uh, interesting point that you would make because it's like uh, you know we're, we're you go out there and do something, and that's a shoot, that's a shoot moment. That's about as real as it can get. This kid that drove that car was 21 years old. He's been racing since he was this tall. I've been driving buggies since 1998 at a recreational level. I've never been to Sand Mountain. Those peaks are like razor's edges when you get to the top of them. You look and you ride that ridge and you peek over and you go down hauling ass at 70 miles an hour. So it'd be like me when I first went to Chris Adams Wrestling School and worked there for Let's say I worked here for two months. Then all of a sudden, they want me to headline uh, at Madison Square Garden with, let's just say, a, a Kurt Angle, a guy who can work his ass off. How am I going to do in that moment? I'm not going to do like, – Kurt can make me look like a million bucks, but I'm going to crap the bed because I ain't got no experience. So that was a moment where if, if Stone Cold was going to – or Steve was going to wrestle mm-hmm. his first match in the garden after two months experience in a main event, expect to draw a house. Not so much. You go to sand mountain at, at a recreation level driver and try to tackle sand mountain full speed. And another dude's car that one, you don't want to wreck. And then two, you don't want to kill yourself because you can kill yourself at sand mountain. Do you have a moment though, as stone cold in your WWE wrestling career where you can remember being the most nervous? I really can't because, you know, I was, when I got to WWE, I just come out of uh, ECW and I was going out as a ringmaster, a little bit nervous, but really just a loss of identity and didn't know what to do because I wasn't the ringmaster. And I was six months of pain walking with this to the ring and this plotting music, love Ted DiBiase, but I just started really learning how to light up a microphone at ECW and was really confident in my wrestling skills at, at the mechanic level. And this is pre-injury when I was more of a wrestler trying to emulate R- Ric Flair because he was my favorite. But 
No, I really can't remember my, my, my most nervous. The biggest moments, I was always ready the most. Yeah. Um, I got you here for about four more minutes. So I'm going to throw some questions at you, sort of like rapid fire style, and want to get your take on some things. Um, I'm going to start with something which I hope doesn't cross the line, because I know you're never supposed to ask about money. But I have always wondered this, and I figured I'll throw it out there. If you don't want to answer it, you don't have to. But do you know how much money you made just from the Austin 316 t-shirt? No, I don't know how much. I mean, it's, you know, definitely, you know, seven figures, probably eight figures now. And that shirt still gets sold today, am yes. I not mistaken? You still get a cut of that, I hope. Sure. <laughs> it's amazing how I mean you I feel like that shirt is still prevalent like it's still iconic and you know I'll give you an inside story I never told this story I don't think on air you know in WWE you get your royalty checks you know every quarter and I remember when I first came up with that shirt with Jimmy Miranda you know after I started getting hot and I created that that promo and man, all of a sudden I came out with a shirt and those shirts were everywhere. And I went and had a conversation with Vince. I said, Hey man, I said, I've seen a lot of t-shirts out there and I noticed that my royalty check doesn't reflect that. And he goes, well, Steve, what do, what do you think we should do? I said, well, I think we need to kind of change the percentages. And then he goes, Oh, he came up with a number. He goes, what do you think about that? And I said, I like it. And so it was a fair deal and that became known as the Austin deal. That's an interesting, yeah. Because, oh no, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. So anyway, uh, things kept going, and then I'll never forget. Uh, it was time to come out with uh, the royalty checks for that quarter, and Vince wanted to hand hand deliver this one to me because he handed it to me. He goes, Steve, I'm just giving you giving this to you because I've never given out a check like this before to anyone, and I looked at the amount, and it was a, it was an amount. But he wanted to hand deliver that, and you know, based on the amount of T-shirts that sold with with the percentage, that was a special moment. And I I I really prided myself on being able to sell merchandise because when WCW didn't see me as ever being a star, and I figured like, hey man, you know, I never was the chosen one, and through working my ass off and trying to find an identity, I finally did, and I become a, I became a marketable uh, entity. So when you asked Vince for a bigger royalty cut he didn't really go back and forth with you he gave you the number you liked the number and that was it didn't wasn't a back and forth tense negotiation yeah, I it out before i even asked for it i just i, I just don't All think right. he's right he goes how about this and All i right. said yeah i love and I, and I hate talking about money because of money no no i understand oh no I'm, I'm just saying that's why i don't throw out figures but you know, yeah yeah I never uh never like talking about money even with vents but you know, I, I got into the wrestling business because I wanted to be a wrestler. But, right. you know, you've got to do as good as you can can for yourself, and that's what it's about. I'm curious, right before we started, you told me you were doing some other press today, and this was your last interview of the day. Is there a question you're sick of that you hate getting asked? No, but no, because no one has ever asked. No one today asked me, hey, how did you invent the name Stone Cold Steve Austin? <laughs> right. Right. I've told that story since I've been telling that story with the tea, the hot tea. Yeah. If people don't yeah. know that one by yeah. now, you know, it's just, yeah. I don't know. I'm thankful to have the career that I've had, but I guess, I guess it's kind of like a, a famous rock band singing their, 
hit song right. one of the million times. So proud to sing it, and I'm proud to tell the story, but I'm kind of tired of telling that story. Yeah, I'm sure. You may have gotten this many times before, but I'm, I, I, I know wrestling fans debate this. I'd love to hear it from you. What would you say was the single biggest pop of your career? Coming out to help Mick Foley win that championship belt where they had all the DX guys sit around there. It was mayhem. They were, they were really screwing Mick over, and I came out there with that chair. And they had, you got to understand that that whole show was built to make that moment happen. I've got well, I got a great, some great pops in Toronto coming out to Skydome. I mean, that was that was electric. But they built that moment with that with and that that story was for those talent out there is for them as well, but built for that pop for stone cold. Well, I mean, I don't think you built it for the pop. You're building it for the timing. People are going to pop like they do, but the, the, it was so people were so ready to pull the trigger because they knew something had to happen. And it was, I was the right thing to happen at the right time set up by the work that those guys had put in. Can you even describe to the typical Joe Schmo person like me, like what that's like, when your music hits, you come out and that pop is what that pop, like, can you even, is it like your body is just like in another place? Are you focused on what you have to do? Like, can you even describe that moment? It's kind of a thing you think of in the back of your mind, because anytime, I mean, cause you're focused on what you got to do, but I can only tell you how I do it. But if someone else tell you they did it differently, I probably wouldn't believe them. You live and die by the way those people respond every single time you go out there. If it don't affect you in some way, you're disconnected, discombobulated, or don't know what you're doing. Some people go out there and, you know, might not get the reaction, so you might not see them sweat, so to speak. But you're living and dying by that. And to give you an example of what it's like, I don't know what it's like. It's the biggest thrill that you could ever experience in your life from a satisfaction standpoint of people being happy to see you or by the same token of if you're getting booed at a magnitude of that level, that's, that's the desired response that you're trying to accomplish. And so you accomplish it due to the fact that the people are ready, willing and able to participate. It's, it's like getting struck by a lightning bolt, you know, and it's, yeah. and I mean that in a good way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know I got to let you run. Let, last thing here. We, we, we've seen you come back last couple of years, do a couple of things with WWE. Would you ever consider either doing like commentary, becoming a manager, would, or you don't want to do any like full-time stuff with the company ever again? I don't know. I, you know, right now, just off the top of my head, I say no, because I don't want to put the, the time into, you know, living my life back on the road again. I rode that road hard. I, I lived the lifestyle, you know, and I worked my ass off. Uh, I, I, I put my body on the line and I ran hard. And now I'm at a place where I'm still living life. I, I started, uh, you know, racing due to the fact I met some people on this show. I started racing side by side as I work with Kawasaki Motorsports. That's about as much traveling as I want to do is going to races on weekends and stuff like that. I'm happy where I'm at. You know, I, I'd always entertain what any any kind of business offer, but I spent enough time on the road, and I'm I'm just I'm picking and choosing, and I still want to work, and I still want to be productive. I'm in the beer business. I've got three beers in the market with El Segundo Brewing Company, 
I work with Kawasaki and I, I've got a, some other private ventures that I'm in too. So I don't want to get out on the road again. I've been there and I did it and I, yeah. and I ran hard. Yeah. It was a hell of a run. Uh, speaking of working hard, Stone Cold has Stone Cold Takes on America on A&E every Sunday night at 10 p.m. And then obviously you probably get it on the A&E app and all the streaming services. Seems like nobody watches TV live. It, But I, I love those A&E Sunday nights. I think they do such a great job with those biographies, too. The rivalries, all those shows on A&E. If you're a wrestling fan, I cannot recommend them more. I think they do a great job with all of those. So I appreciate the time. Be well. And... Uh, Hopefully we will we'll see you somewhere here in the WWE with an appearance, maybe SummerSlam next WrestleMania. You know, we'll get you back in the mix for something. I hope. Hey, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what uh, what comes to be. But you know, I, I think that you know, I think that, that they have a great crew. They've got a, a lot of Hall of Famers on that crew they've got right now, the gals and the guys. So I think they're loaded. They don't need a whole lot of outside help. They've got a lot of stars, and they got some stars on the rise. So I think they're in a good position right now. Yep. All right. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Be well. Always good to talk to you. All right. Take care. Take care, man. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
All right, joining me now, as he does periodically, man who started this podcast now has his own podcast and writes for the Athletic. As uh, I was going to say, SI Media, media reporter, writer, critic Richard Deitch. Richard, how are you? Yeah, I don't. I you, I really do not like that word, critic. It's such a horrible word. But what do you uh, like to be called? I just, I just, I really just like writer. That's you know, that's sort just of what writer. we all do. Yeah. Media writer Richard Deitch. Not even media. Why put the tag on it? Can I not write other things? Because this is a media podcast, so I want people to think I have. So for your purposes, what, I yeah. got. By the way, I, I assume I'm following uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, correct? Correct. Okay, so I don't want to do it out of order. It's not like you're taping us at the same time. That's a hell of no. a get. How did you pull that off? Uh, he has a show with A and E. Yeah, thank you, Jimmy. I, I yeah. know, but I'm like, take people into the process. Like, how does that happen? You you uh you emailed an A and E public relations person, or do you know some wrestling? No, they emailed me. Oh, big big dog. Right. Well, that's why I didn't bring it up because then I sound like an egotistical dick, and you forced me into doing that. So, score one for you there. Okay. All right. Well, it's, I'm glad to see that A and E's uh, pushing that on the uh, sports. And he's, he was, media Stone Cold podcast. was on once before in person. Real? Wow. I didn't know yeah, that. He came, came to his offices? He did. That's a nice get. Yeah. Did he walk around and say hi to people? Um, I don't think so because, you know, I ushered him in and out. It's, it's not a free-for-all. It's got to be professional. When, when Heyman came in to do this podcast when I hosted it, he walked around, shook everybody's hand, probably posed for a photo or two. That's Paul Heyman. It just seems like maybe you're keeping, like, the special guest for yourself. Like your own little thing here. As well, who, to, who am I supposed to give the special guests to? Did Steve Austin come in? You you got you don't you don't work in an office anymore. You now work like all of us virtually. Correct. When Steve Austin came in, he came into was it the SI offices in Midtown or the Meredith offices downtown? Downtown, which is a very which is a very nice building. You couldn't have stopped by a uh, I don't know like who's that, Ryan Hunt or someone who might have appreciated Jamie Lasante. Someone who might have appreciated that? No. John Wertheim? Nope. Okay. All right. I guess, you know, you have your style of doing things. This podcast is blowing up. I look at the reviews. My God. Five stars everywhere. Uh, there references better be five to stars. you and, no kidding, Sal. Things seem to be going well. Things are going well. I can't, I mean, outside of booking it, I can't complain. It'd be nice if. People didn't reach out to me and say, I'm going to do your podcast, and they don't come on. You just got Steve Austin, like uh, someone pushed him. I mean, it seems like the book yeah, can't be that hard the, if A&E is calling you. I've had, three, I've had three people tell me they were going to come on in the last few months and then not come on. Names? And it's like, I'd rather, yeah, right. I don't <laughs> appreciate, be, you know, like I'd rather, I'd rather someone say, we don't like you. We don't think your podcast is good. We don't think your podcast is as big as part of my take. We're not putting our clients on your podcast. Well, it's not. <laughs> I'd rather, right, so I'm saying, I'd rather someone say that than say, oh, I got we'll you. find the time. We'll figure it out. We'll work it out, you know, so. And it's I been will three, say this. It's actually four, four people have done that. I'll say this before we get, obviously, to media talk. You're definitely at a point, though, where I don't know if you go through the public relations departments or not, but you're landing essentially the biggest names in sports media, you know, whether it's Buck or Michaels or Nance. Essentially, those are like, you know, sort of the highest profile people. And so I would think that just having those high profile people 
within the sports media would mean that you should be getting a ton of maybe the pitchers aren't great, but you should be getting a ton of pitches from multiple places on a given week, right? Yeah, I get pitches all the time. But there are certain people who have not been on who I'd like to have on who, you know, for whatever reason. In the media, you don't have to name names because I know you will. In the media space or just like someone famous or well-known? Um, you know, it's like all, one thing to be all, like, you know. No, no, no. All in the like media. like to have Pacino on no. versus like, you know. <laughs> all, in the, all in the media space. All in the media space. Sports media space. Or me, me capital um, yes. M brought okay. Yes. Well, that yes. actually surprises me that I, I I think the list of people at this point, just just my interpretation, between your show, mine, Marshan Oran, um, Brian Curtis, you know, Sports Media Watch, whoever has it, the list of sports media people who who would not come on has to be very small at this point. You agree? Yes. Okay. So that's good. That's a that's a good thing i know you've not had barkley on i don't think i have either he's a tough one to get for a podcast not so tough to get for interestingly enough for radio spots oh he's but all the pod- over the place yeah he's but all, the podcast does, is tricky he does interviews he, every day yeah I, I yeah i think if you weirdly enough interesting enough like if if we were hosting radio shows it'd be easier to get him than a podcast for whatever reason i got an email last night tuesday night i got an email from a publicist Saying so and so, who I've been asking for, for for a long time, six months. Um, so and so's team said he has no availability. Literally wow. this morning, scrolling through Twitter, he was on a pod. Oof, that's yeah. Now I got. So I'd rather you just say like, "We think you're a fat fuck. We don't want to do your podcast. Leave us alone. I, Stop I don't emailing." What he's saying. I'd that. rather you say that. Well, this is where it gets back to, and again, it's. If you have to live with the people like at these organizations, it's obviously sort of some navigation that you have to deal with. That said, and I know you agree with me on this, Jimmy, once you get the subject's direct content, contact, email, or cell phone, the ultimate way to really try to do this is to go through the person. And then if you then have to go the back way for the – then alert their – public relations people, that inevitably gets your guest as opposed to going through the public relations apparatus because then you end up with the situation you've got. Let me just say one last thing. You don't even know – don't, you don't have to na- mention the person's name, but there's a there, there's a 50% chance that that person, the subject you wanted, doesn't even know about this request. Do you agree? The one from last night, I think that the person doesn't. Their team does. But That's there's different. one there's right. one person for sure who I am convinced the public pub, publicists don't even don't even mention pass along him, yes. I think there's that no happens a lot, mind. which is why no doubt in my mind. At no certain doubt. times I think if you can get the contact, you have to just go straight to the subject. Right. 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 Because I have found again, ultimately we're all in some ways in the promotions business to whether it's, you know, people, I want people to read my stuff on the athletic. You want people to read your stuff at sports illustrated said anchor said host said reporter said digital content person wants people to consume their stuff. So it's all the promotion business in some form. Um, But I'm with you. I think I can't, I wish I could think of a perfect example right now for me. I can't off the top of my head, but, but no doubt there are times the, person serving as the publicist ultimately is really more of the gatekeeper then yeah, of course you know what i'm saying and of so course. 
That's why but I think they love. But then they love to come to me to say, "Oh, we have this on our podcast. Can you plug it in your column and post it in your column?" Well, all right, let's uh, move on. Yeah. Um, I don't know how we got into onto this topic, yeah. but I hear you. There's a lot going on in the sports media world, so I had to get you on here. Well, you could. I, mean, I you was, could have gotten anybody on, but yes, I have been completely shocked by the reaction of Flex coming to <laughs> Thursday Night Football. Yeah. Shocked because. I think a lot of people are just overlooking the fact that only two games in a season can be flexed because they want to get on their high horse and scream about player safety to make themselves look like they that's care not about a high players. horse. It's a legitimate oh, it's topic. Such a high, no, oh, it's not. Listen, on. listen to me. Listen, if there is a game in week 17 that gets flexed, the players are not going to be at risk and danger where everyone's carrying on about play. shorter it's, weeks are always are always more agreed but we already have play. shorter weeks we already have to this is not new every team well not sorry. now they changed the rule isn't but, the bigger issue the fan issue that you're screwing people who might want to travel to the game right because well yeah i think people want to screen player safety so it looks makes them look like you know they no, care i about think the there's a legit player safety angle but it seems to me there's the, no but they already play on thursday nights but that they but already that, do that, it. That, but you would, you even you would agree, as big of NFL fan as you are, that playing on Thursday nights is in itself a player safety issue. Just yes. that alone. I know the I know the horse is out of the barn. I get it. It's not changing. Right. No, no. But that's me, that that that's right. a money grab, and a, and more rest in any sport is always better for the athlete. All right. Like, so let me be clear. Right. Yes, playing on Thursday nights. Does not help player safety in any way, shape, or form. Thank you. The players hate it. The short rest is not good. Having said that, if teams already play on Thursday night, and now there's going to be a team in week 17 that's going to have to play a second game on Thursday night, the I players aren't going to die. They'll be fine. It'll be okay. Well, well they'll survive. Again, they'll survive. They already is, do it. It's so once now again, you're asking two teams to maybe do a second game. That's it. That's all you're asking. You're I, asking I, every I, team I, to do it. It's one, two teams. They'll be fine. I know you agree with this. Me and you, I think, both agree on the whole premise that the sport itself is all geared towards television. Correct? Like every every single decision is made so that the television show exists. So everything else, the players, and I realize they get a cut of the money. Don't get me wrong. The fans, it's all secondary right now to the television show. So I wish, whether it's Goodell or the owners, I just wish you'd be honest and say like – Everything is about our television partners and fans are secondary. That would be honest. They would I just, say I, that, but of course. Yeah. Where, the thing – it doesn't even bother me. I just The thing that I think I just find hilarious is when the NFL pushes how like the fans are so important to us. Yeah, they're important to us in some ways, but television is the most important thing to NFL owners by far. Or I shouldn't because, even say television. Like, you know, consider Amazon as well. What media is the most – Streaming, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Media rights. Right. The NFL is all about TV and streaming. Amazon's Correct. paying the NFL plus. $1 billion right. to air those games next Correct. year. Having flex schedule for two weeks is a no-brainer for the NFL. They're yeah, going to take And again, it'll NFL, probably be, what's the over-under every year? One game, maybe? The NFL is going to take care of Amazon before the fan in the stadium. Of course. We, me and you are in agreement here. There is no um, argument. The reaction of people was just so over the top. Was it really a lot of people or a sliver? The other oh, thing it was too, a lot of people. I was shocked. The other shocked. thing, keep, keep in mind, in terms of like as a media story or a media play, the streamers are very important to the NFL, right? I think for the next contract coming up, if indeed 
the world exists where well the world will certainly exist where there'll be less cable subscribers that's not even an issue if the world exists where there's less people with access to free to free to air television cbs abc nbc well then the nfl has to continue to invest in its streaming partner because they're going to want amazon or apple or google to be their partners and so they're absolutely going to give amazon whatever they want over the next seven eight years because that's where the money could be in 10 years one thing though all those networks the cbs fox nbc they all signed like eight or nine year deals last year yeah, yeah. so those I'm deals are wrapped up yeah i'm talking about the contract afterwards the two in the 2030s right what you're going to see more of is what's happened with the wild card playoff game on peacock you're going to have Paramount Plus pay for a playoff game next year. I agree with you. You're going to have ESPN yeah. Plus play. You know, that's what's going to happen. But CBS and Fox and NBC are still locked in for like nine yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that like the NFL wants to make sure its Amazon relationship is good because they're going to take a long-term approach that in the 2030s, yeah. having the digital streamers, a good relationship with them could mean mega bucks in the event that the whole uh, media rights ecosystem changes. That's That's all I'm saying. I, I will say, as someone who basically bitches and complains every week on this podcast yeah, no about, kidding. I follow about you on streaming, um, it is, you know, there's an article last week. I forgot the publication that did it. Come Maybe on. Variety. Attribution, not sure. man. Um, I, who can remember all this stuff? Okay. Um, that basically after the first quarter of, of 2023 now, we are remarkably down to 58% of homes in the U.S. that have cable. It's shockingly low to me. Well, it's, I know that the number... Because I'm old, so everyone I know still has cable. No, 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 I get part. it. The, the numbers dropped. It's it, it, Last I had checked, I probably should know this, like, it was like 72, 73 million or something to that effect of cable households. Um, it definitely will drop. Like, it's only going to drop. The mm -hmm. question, like, on all this stuff, at least in terms of the financials, is, like, what's the ceiling? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What's the my bad? What's the floor? Like, it's not going to go to zero. No chance. Like right. me and you will be dead. I hope that doesn't happen for all 40 years. But cable will exist after we're gone. Like that will be the case. The question is just like how much ultimately, how many homes ultimately have it, and then what is the price point, and what are the offerings on that? But even ESPN with all the hull, you know, hullabaloo with going direct to consumer and stuff. I, you know, we we've talked about this offline. ESPN Plus will exist, but ESPN as a cable entity will still exist as well. It's just a question of what you as a consumer ultimately decide to purchase. Yeah, I had to text Richard the other day because when it came out that ESPN was going to go direct to consumer, which we had heard about, but I guess there was something like more official. No, you've heard something. about it. I mean, you know, I give this is where I give Marshan but a lot of credit. O'Ran a lot of credit. I've been writing about it for a long time. But there were all these tweets. This is the end of cable. Cable's dead. Cable just died. <laughs> this is, so I texted. No. I'm like, I'm confused. Is it still going to be offered on cable? And you're like, yeah. I'm like, so then yeah. how is cable dead? It's because not the dead. price point for that, I think the price point for ESPN direct to the consumer is going to have people say, wait a second. Why am I going to pay? Why would you pay $40 a month for ESPN when you pay $80 a month and get everything? Well, because here's the reasoning. First of all, cable's not going to, again, I continue to say it. it's not going to die in our lifetime it, it certainly will be significantly reduced but there are i don't know how many under 30 year olds you talk to but there are just a there is a whole generation multiple generations of people jimmy who just have never never had cable so the idea of getting espn direct to their laptop or phone could be very desirable to them if that's the one subscription for sports that they get 
Right, but I thought all these people who don't have cable do not have cable because of the cost. Well, I don't. This would be an individual thing, but I I think there are. You'd have to go to different markets, but like I, you might know this, I, there has to be somebody in New York who probably just um, subscribes directly to the Yes Network, and that's the only media that they get, right? Because they just want Yankee games. I would be fascinated to interview that person. Yeah, I, I, I'm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what the the best example is, but I do think that there will be enough people in the multiple millions who would see ESPN at, let's just make it up, okay, $40 a month and all the offerings that you would get, including, by the way, now the NBA Finals, College Football Championship. I'm saying everything that ESPN does. I think there would be – that's a real business. There would be enough people who get that. What, what that number is, I couldn't tell you. What the ceiling is on that, I couldn't tell you. But right. it, you know, it'll be in the multiple millions of people who will go for that. I agree. My stance on this has always been the same, despite how everyone wants to twist my words. My stance on this is very simple. If you're a fan of more than, I would say, two sports, okay. even if you cut the cord, you're still going to end up paying almost what you paid with cable because of everything more. you need to have. More, I'd say you're paying more, actually, right. if you're, if you're so, a multiple sports fan. Right. So if you're an NFL fan, okay, let's say you're an NFL and college football fan. You okay. want, you're going to do ESPN direct-to-consumer, fine. Right. But you then, still need a way to access CBS and Fox. You're probably going to have to get Sunday ticket if you're really. And then a you need a way NFL to access or... Amazon for Thursday night in the playoff game. Yeah, you need, and well, you need and a way to access the NFL Network. I'm with and, you. So, and if you live in, and if you live in Michigan, Ohio State, you have to get the Big Ten Network. Like I, I exactly. I, the, listen, me right. and we, I've seen your tweets. And Fox and yeah. FS1. You sent something out on Twitter that was interesting. I don't think you were the first person to say it, but you you either retweeted or commented on it. The cost to get one week's worth of Yankee games is obscene. Right. I'm, right. I agree with you 100% on that. Right. The problem is for like a sport like base, particularly for a sport like baseball right now, but there'll be right. others, is they're so unfan friendly. They don't care to force you to get all these subscription subscriptions as long as the places with the subscriptions – have paid them significant money for of their course. Money. Exactly. It's a hundred percent right. And it's the other issue is this because then because I, I have some schmucks on Twitter who go after me about ripping the Yankees and baseball, but I don't rip the NFL. And it's I'll 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 say this as simply as I can. Major League Baseball, the NBA, and I guess the NHL. I don't follow it, so I, I don't want to speak on it, but those three sports have 5 million regular season games, and every team makes the playoffs. Their regular season games are meaningless and irrelevant. The NFL has 16, 17 games. Every single game, every single week means something. So guess what? The NFL can put a game on Peacock for only. They can put a game at 9.30 in the morning on the NFL Network. They can. The NFL can do whatever it wants. Do not compare the other three sports well, yeah, to yes. the NFL. You can't, I, I, listen, I'm a bigger fan of the other sports than you are, but... It's no comparison. Like there literally is. You're not one. a bigger baseball and, and NBA. Fan. No, not baseball. It's true. I probably I'm probably a bigger NBA fan uh, and NHL fan. Obviously, given where I live now. But the, to, those regular seasons are meaningless. So you're making people pay for nonsense. I, the, I was I, I was just going to say this. One, there's an inventory issue. One has like 80 games regular season. The other 17. Scarcity is always going to sell bigger. And then secondly, I think it gets to your point. We're definitely in agreement. It's just so silly at this point in 2023 to compare the NFL to anything else. Right. Like it right. literally is its own right. box and then just start talking about everything else. Right. 
you can't even compare the NFL to entertainment anymore. There's right. nothing on television that comes close to the NFL, right? In terms of scripted, right. there's nothing in the cable news universe that comes close to the NFL. I, I don't even think, honestly, movies outside of like an occasional blockbuster, like can compare to the NFL. There's nothing like right. that particular content product. So right. you you just to even compare businesses or business models or anything with the NFL is just silly. Right. Um, like I can. I can very easily skip a Yankee game that airs on Apple on Friday night or Peacock at 1130 correct, on Sunday and move on with my life Sunday, and have no problem. But I'm not yes. missing an NFL playoff. I agree with you. You know, you can't the you NFL, can miss one like week I've in said, the NFL season. The right. whole season can change. I'm right. with you 100 percent. Right. Like yeah, I said, the NFL way, can put a game on at 3 a.m. Yeah. on 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 Tubi or Pluto or whatever those Fakaki channels are and people right. would watch them. I'm with you on the sense that, you know, like, uh, you know, we watch a lot of Blue Jays games up here. And, like, when Apple TV has, like, the Blue Jays or something like that, it's just – who on earth is just going to purchase that for that game? Do you know right. what I mean? It's right. absurd. I'm with you. Right. Um, right. We agree. We agree. We agree. On something. This is a question that has been talked about for, like, 20 years. Someone asked it to me last week. Was it in one of the SI mailbags that they asked? Yes, it was. Soliciting it was. questions on that. And I still can't even articulate the answer. It's like, it just is and I can't explain it. Maybe you can explain it. You've, but even you posted day, 400 of these podcasts. How can you not? All right, go ahead. People want to know why the ESPN NBA studio show still cannot <laughs> resonate in any way, shape or form. Now, do you think it's I'll ask it this way. Do you think it's just that the ESPN NBA studio show just has no juice or is it because it's always going to be compared to TNT? And if ESPN had a good one, would we still not think it's good because we just love TNT so much? I don't think the any ESPN NBA show has a chance of getting to the place that your readers are talking about as long as the TNT show exists. No chance. It's like... You know, I wish I had a perfect metaphor, but it's like it's comparing like a jobber to like Stone Cold if you want to use your previous guests. Like it's just it's not going to happen. There have been times the NBA studio show as a pure show has been OK. I would never call it great, but it's certainly been watchable. Right. Right. The, the problem is to compare it to the other show, which is. Which is the be- I, I, it's, ob- it's, it's unquestionably the best sports studio show of all time. It probably should be considered in the best shows of all time if we were going to put everything into a box. But their whole approach, Jimmy, just in terms of like uh, – because I've thought about this a lot. Here's why I think ESPN never has a shot. Turner may has made a decision that – and a smart – you shouldn't call it Turner. It's WB, WBD. That after the game, it's incredibly valuable to go long – with Charles, Kenny, Shaq, and Ernie, right? Almost, you don't even know how long they're going to go. Basically, they sort of go in indeterminate amount of time, and they're able to give you serious, give you poignant, give you funny, give you whatever. ESPN's countdown show, the crux of that is usually before the game, which has sort of a different kind of feel, and then yeah. halftime, which honestly they shouldn't even have. It's essentially just a marketing tool for whatever's coming up. Then they have decided, for the most part, right, to use Sports Center as their after the game um, show place to go. Right? Yeah, Sometimes yeah. they'll go back to those guys too, but 
what I think it is is like WBD slash Turner, they're telling you how important this show is and that you must watch it. This is everything to us. Where ESPN, I've never felt that they've made that show, and perhaps rightly so, the centerpiece of everything. And then lastly, again, this is just my take. I don't know how you feel about it. The Turner show is so great because it has no format. It doesn't have A block, B block, C block. Charles could talk for 20 minutes and nobody else might not say anything. It's great. It might just focus on Shaq or Ernie for the whole segment. The show is always, it always feels to me, everybody's got to get their say on that show, right? It's like, it does, it feels like every other, like, obvious after the game show with one take, two take, three take, host takes us out to break. Nothing right. new. Right. How do you feel? Hit. No, I I agree with that. I think that's a good point. And I just something just came into my head while you were speaking too. I think also, I know for me when a game ends on TNT, if I'm watching forget if I'm watching any game, as soon as the game's over, my brain goes to flip the channels. Let's see what's on. When a game on TNT ends, I say to myself, can't go anywhere. Got to see what these guys say. Same, same. I never do that with the ESPN show, same. and I'm wondering if some of that has to do with the fact that while Stephen A might say something or give like a performance art, uh, you know, showing that's notable, we've seen Stephen A all day long on ESPN. I think he's on got, first take for two hours. Not he's original. on Twitter now with his own podcast. Yep. He's, so, he's all, so we have Stephen A all day long. Same thing with Greenberg. Well, I don't expect him to ever say anything interesting. But, 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 you, but it's the same point as you. Like we have already seen two right. hours of Mike Greenberg somewhere else. Right. We've those already, guys actually already seen Michael Wilbon for a half yeah. hour somewhere else. Those guys on TNT, we're only seeing them on that show and that show only. Great point. I'm with yeah. you. I, I, yeah. the, the other thing, too, is individually, I think all of the people on the ESPN show sort of have value somewhere. Stephen A., Greenberg, Wilbon, Jalen Rose. On that show, this is my opinion, on that show, together – as a group, as a four, I, I'm never ever sitting around waiting to hear what they have to say. Like, I'm not interested in their conversations. I'm not saying they're bad. And I'm, by the way, I'm not. I'm not knocking them as talents. They're all individually talented, and they they all right. fit somewhere in the ecosystem. Where, like you, I always want to know what the Turner guys are about to talk about together. Like that is just interesting to me. No. They just feel more genuine. I'm not saying that the others are not. You know what I'm saying? It just feels. Like a more real conversation, also. But the the, the original uh, point of the question, I yeah. just the amazing thing is that it's always been this way. Like no matter what ESPN it doesn't does, matter. They You're can't. right. Whether it's Simmons and Magic, whether it's Michelle Beadle or Sage Steele, whether it's Mike Greenberg or Mike Tirico, it is the but same you, thing. Always. You think, but just by shit luck, they'd get it right one time, but they don't. I, and by the way, I, I, I like if I took everybody who's in the ESPN ecosystem now, I couldn't give you a group of four. Who I think would would solve the problem? Like I know you're a big Chris Russo fan. I'm not, but do you think like if it was Chris Russo, JJ Redick, I, I don't know uh, who would be a more provocative? Well, I have, Scott I've Van always... Pelt and um, uh, Monica McNutt. Like that would be an interesting foursome to me. Like with that, I still don't think that's going to change our minds versus Turner. Do you? No. Yeah, that's the problem. There's ESPN doesn't have anybody right now. Who will make you change your mind? And the only 
people I thought made like fix I fix your microphone. Fix your microphone. There, there you, go. you go. Yeah. I thought for a mo- like I thought at one time that maybe Draymond Green, if you brought him in after his career, could be sort of Barkley esque. Maybe, maybe not. But I don't know what the fix. I don't even want to call. Well, he's it with TNT. Yeah, he's, he's with, of course. I, I don't know. I don't think as long as Charles Shaq and Kenny are on television, that th- there's no. This never gonna. They're never gonna top them. Never. All right. Let me ask you this. Someone asked me this question, which I thought was interesting, and I couldn't even think of anything really, but. Every it's it's totally expected that when the NBA TV deals get renewed, NBC is going to get some kind of package, and I'm sure it'll be NBC we'll Peacock with something. Yeah. Who who would you want to see as the broadcast team for well, M- the NBA's return yeah, on let, NBC? Let's see what NBC does. You know, Lachlan Murdoch has said Fox won't bid. I, I don't believe anything until like the final bids are done and we'll see who'll bid. I think NBC, at least from what I've heard, told they've had, they have interest. I think I, I think there's a lot of places that have interest. It's all about the price, Jimmy. You know what the price point is. I think Amazon would have interest in an NBA deal. All about the price point. If you're NBC, obviously you can't go back to the old days with Marv, right, and Doug Collins. Like that's not going to be the team. Tarico has done basketball. Um, depending on the package, like size, I could totally see him doing play-by-play of that. And then as far as an analyst goes, I think you would probably hire the most high-profile coach who's out of work, like Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers, yeah. Or, uh, well, he might be in work again. You know what I'm saying? Or right. um, Mike Budenholzer or, right. you know, whoever, right. what, you know, name your high-profile coach who doesn't have a job right now. I think if you're NBC, you have to bring in somebody who's fairly current to the game. It also could be a – you know what? Maybe – just spitballing here. If you're NBC and you've watched the first take and you think J.J. Redick, Redick is a, like game-changing, you, you go, J.J., five million bucks to be our analyst for 12 games. You know, whatever. I'm just making right. that up. Right. Um, I think they'd have good talent. I don't think there's a question about that if they get it. I would still favor the two incumbents, Warner Brothers Discovery and ESPN, to maintain that deal. If you were asking me to handicap, I would absolutely handicap ESPN as a bigger favorite to keep that deal than Warner Brothers Discovery. I think the NBA is so important to ESPN and ESPN Plus. I don't see any, and by the way, as well as the NBA, I don't see any scenario where ESPN does not have the NBA heading forward. None. Yeah, the NBC thing would be in addition too. Yes, yes. I think but but Jim- I could see Warner Brothers Discovery not resigning with them. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but that is one I could see. I could see them bailing out. And let's say if that happened, then, well, then it's a then it's a free for all because if you're you an NBC have, or an Amazon or whoever, then you sign Chuck Kenny. Well, the Jack. Price, I, if yeah. that happens, the people are going to sign those four is going to be ESPN. I don't think so. I think whoever got the other deal would sign those guys. I don't think ESPN mm, would. Jimmy, that's that's that. think of how much money it would cost ESPN to do that. They have the money when they want to find the money, like every other. We agree. Company. I like I always say yes, but that's that's a lot of money for those. I four. agree. But what are you going to do? Kick Jay, you're going to kick Jalen, Stephen A., Mike Greenberg, and Mike Wilbon to the curb? If you could get you're Ernie get the, Sheck, yeah, Kenny and Chuck, yeah. Are you Jimmy? Uh, you're here. We'll give you a lot of fun exercise. You're Jimmy Pitaro, okay? If you could sign Chuck, Chuck, Ernie, Shaq, Kenny. 
hundred million bucks. Okay, you get the whole group. Do you do that? Sign them, kick your four guys off to the curb, and say, "Just keep doing what you're doing." Like, do you? Is that a worthwhile investment for you? Absolutely. As ESPN, you would do absolutely it. Okay. because first of all, they'd put Charles Barkley on every single show they have. Yeah, but he wouldn't. I don't think he would. Knowing him, well, he won't sign that. But yes, they Ernie, would do that. Ernie yeah. Johnson would take over, like you know, <laughs> duties here and there on some yeah. things. He'd be great. He's I a mean, great host. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's interesting. Shack um, on the. Uh, um, Shaq on like the the, the afternoon the NBA shows. <laughs> Those yeah. guys would never sign that contract because they don't want to work that much. I don't blame. Well, that that's the issue there. Yeah, this is what you unless you get the Troy Aikman Joe Buck contract where it's like, all right, you do one Good Morning America uh, appearance like a you know once a month. Yeah, that's not a bad deal. Not a bad deal at all. Um, what else did I want to discuss with you? You know, uh, I was surprised that. The PGA got such a low rating this past well, uh, weekend. Eh, you shouldn't be that surprised. I thought they had some momentum there. I mean, it seemed like the Masters had a really good rating. I know there's no Tiger, so once Tiger's out, well, it's, it's yeah. amazing that, you know, yeah, there's had no a good Tiger. Three days too. I know. Nobody watches the thing. It's crazy. You had some of the live golfers, right, competing in the Masters. That was kind of an interesting yeah, story. Yeah, a really big name. He was he leading. Is. Yeah, I, I, th- I just, I don't know if there's a guy out there who can individually draw Viewership. I feel like you just you need a you need two well known people who are who are sort of very close in the last couple of last couple of holes. Um, yeah. But again, like there's still you know the numbers are still great. I mean, if you can get over four million for any kind of sporting event, I mean, it's still in today's universe. That's still that's a great number. Yeah, still. that's true. But yes, it was that down. Is- I, I given the setup, given that that club pro had like such an amazing story. I also thought that that number, that final number, would have been larger. I'm with you on that. Yeah. By the way, let me ask you a question. I know this isn't, yeah. uh, you know, strictly business no, no, with uh, John Alba and Eric Bischoff, but AW has sold a massive amount of uh, tickets in London. Probably going to be their singular, maybe biggest uh, one show moment, other than the first one where All In sold out and they were able to launch all this stuff. I'm not going to ask you a dumb question like, whoa, do you think AEW is going to catch WWE, Jimmy? Obviously not. Do you think the show, though, like what what does that show? Can that show like catalyst anything? Like once that's over, you get 60,000 people, you get these great optics in in England. Like, does it will it mean anything like semi long term or is it just a one off? I don't I don't think it means anything long term. Okay. All right. Because you need to. First of all, I mean, the a- AEW, in my opinion. Like, you know, I appreciate what they're doing, but I also think it's absurd that their pay-per-views are 50 bucks. No, I hear you. When the WWE gives them away for free if you have Peacock. Right. So they could put 5 million people in a stadium. If it's costing you 50 bucks to watch it, I think there's a limit on how many people are going to buy it. But that feels more like, that feels more about the event itself than the TV audience. Well, but my point is, People in the building aren't going to give it legs. Yeah, I know what you're you saying. You need to have momentum from TV and then storylines and all that stuff. Yeah, you know they um, just signed the they just uh, signed a deal with Warner Brothers Discovery for another show. Yeah, I know. Collision, which you know, yeah. I think everybody was thinking CM Punk was going to return to that. I, I tend oh, to he believe will. he'll be there. I tend to like sort of side with the Eric Bischoff argument that that's that's it's a lot of wrestling 
already, and it's hard to get an audience for two nights, let alone one. I I agree. I'd like to see them succeed, but man, that feels like a expansion a little too quick. I don't disagree. There's a lot of wrestling on. That's why it's easy, you know, but people want keep up with it now on YouTube and on TikTok and you know social media more than watch no, you know I the, the wrestling I know people hate the wrestling talk but I do think this is interesting if you're a wrestling fan or not what I find fascinating what I would love to know more than anything is if Fox how happy scale of 1 to 10 they are with their Smackdown deal now they're going to tell you the Smackdown gets like 2 million viewers which nothing on TV on a Friday night gets I think yeah, for the but most part they paid part a lot for it but that but did they expect more? I thought there would be more. I thought it would be a bigger deal. Yeah, no, I, I, I happen to agree. I mean, I think I think Nick Tan is correct when he says we're getting a big increase. I think that's going to be the case. Um, Fox is the wild card to me. I, I, I can't see how NBC Universal doesn't re-up because like Peacock's whole strategy is wrestling and Premier League soccer. Like it feels like if you don't have a deal with the WWE in some form, that business is screwed. Uh, Fox is the trickier one because um, I don't know. I I I think if the money's right, they'll probably re up. But I I don't know. That's that's one I'm sort of paying attention to. Uh, I don't think Jimmy, there's anything out there that if you replace it with is a guaranteed two million. But it goes down to like what the you know what the um, what the cost will be. Before I get out of here, what uh, what do you think the biggest sports media story will be in the second half of this year? Probably NFL related. I just can't think of what it would be, though. Biggest sports media story in the second half. Um, hmm. Well, you know, I Brady, think Bra- the, the Brady watch for if you, well, that, it, but that's not going to happen until yeah, right. And he will do it. You think he will um, do it? Is that what you I said? definitely think he will do it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think he'll be in the booth that first year. I, after that, I don't know. I'm, you know what I think is, I, well, this isn't going to be the biggest sport. I mean, I think the NBA contract, but that's next year too, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I think there's two things, you know, biggest sports media story, I think. And well, it won't be direct. McAfee on ESPN in the fall, oh, yeah. I think, will okay. be the biggest. That's a good, that's a big And how one. that works out, because people somehow think he's going to be different. Honeymoon, I don't. Uh, well, regardless, honeymoon for the first, like, three or four months anyway. Yeah. I think McAfee... Um, yeah, that's a big joining one. ESPN is going to be big. I agree. I think college football, you know, you're going to have Big Ten games on CBS, and CBS still has the SEC for another year. Then you have the Big Ten on NBC see, as well yeah. this year. If, they, if, they, if the new commissioner you, the, figures out all the all the yeah, deals that the, yeah. looks like the old commissioner screwed the, up on, but yes. The college football television schedule landmine whatever yeah. is going to be and totally the different does, it still year. doesn't have its new deal yeah people yeah. Are, I, you know you, i know you don't really write a lot about this um certainly the athletic does and particularly our college football people i cannot tell you how many people seem to be interested in college football rights do you see anything on like when you're doing a story at si like does it pop the same way it clearly pops at the athletic I think yeah. I mean, people want to know where the you know the, yeah. the, the SEC going to when going they went to, to ESPN. Um, yeah, ESPN is a big deal. Yeah, Fox getting. I don't think Fox getting the Big Ten is a big deal as everyone. But that, made but that, that but the multiple parts of that are a big deal. Yeah, yeah, and I think let's face it. I think Big Ten fans are going to care when like they got a game on Peacock behind the paywall. 
And you're like, right. what do I got to do here? Right. You know, Notre Dame, I mean, even the, a couple years ago, Notre Dame put its first game behind a paywall. It might have been Toledo or Purdue yeah. or whatever it was. Like, peep, that was a pretty big story for that week. Yeah. And, you know, that's sort of like the shitty part of it is like they'll put. So what they do every it just came out today before we started taping that Notre Dame, their one game on Peacock this year is going to be Central Michigan. So what they do is they put the shittiest game of the year on Peacock, knowing the diehards are going to subscribe. Yeah, the casual fan won't, but the diehard will. And then they figure that person's not going to cancel it. The only way a casual fan would subscribe to that is if it's like Michigan, Ohio State, right? Or whatever. Yeah, but the network's not allowing that. Of course, because they know they have to. Because those games they have to sell against to make money. Like you'd be insane yeah. to do that. Yeah. yeah, but I think McAfee, what his show looks like on ESPN will be the biggest sports. Again, okay, you know, I wrote about this. I know you've talked about this, and I just I did a hour podcast on it, as I'm sure you did too. I did not. The only well, <laughs> <laughs> McAfee. <laughs> there are so many more personalities at ESPN that will scare them more than McAfee. Cursing is a very small deal. Oh, yeah. yeah, Anybody who goes down the political role will scare Jimmy Pitaro far more more than Pat McAfee dropping four fucks like by accident. It's just, you know, the the change with McAfee, at least from my perspective, will be will he be allowed – will he have total editorial freedom to put the people he wants on or does that show become let's bring Shefty in to talk NFL, let's bring Woj in to talk NBA? That's – that's the real question to me. And I don't know the answer to that. I know what the McAfee team says, but having covered ESPN for a long time, as you have, history tells you that they start wanting their own people on their own shows. I think ESPN is going to want their own people on his show. In addition, though, I think they'll let him have. I hope so. Like Rappaport and right. Tom's. Right. That would be, you know what? If ESPN management was smart, and I think this is a more talent friendly manager group but, of Pitaro and Berk Magnus. That is what you should do. Let the right, guy can I say, do what he wants to do. But let me interrupt you and say one thing. You're putting it on ESPN management. Yes. And I understand why. But my, don't you think if Pat McAfee is on ESPN interviewing Shams, it's going to be Woj who calls someone in management and says, what the fuck is this? Maybe. I, I mean, I think as uh, I don't remember if it was Brian Curtis or Ben Strauss. And maybe it was Brian Curtis who said to me on last week's podcast. He said, the McAfee show, I'm paraphrasing him, is going to be such an it show that all the ESPN people are going to want to be on it because it's going to be the show that their bosses are paying attention to. The question that you ask, and I don't know the answer to, is are we going to get a uh, Michael Corleone thing here where, like, the insiders, you know, Schefter calls uh, Taro and says, hey, I, you know what? Like, don't put my primary competition on our hot show, bring me on. I don't, it, right. it could happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I would hope right. that they're not, I mean, all those guys are making 10, 5 million bucks, you know, in the case of Schefter and Woj, you know, eight, 10 million bucks a year. Like relax. If Shams comes on, you know, who cares? Well, right. I, I think it's uh, like ESPN management. If they're smart, they leave Pat McAfee alone. hundred percent. It's if the Schefters and the Wojers complain, then your job as a manager is to be like, Hey, th- you know, what does uh, right. Cornette say? Thank you, fuck you, bye. Like, I mean, that's what it should be. Like, hey, right. we appreciate your concern. We're letting Pat McAfee do his show. Yeah. Do you agree with me or no? I think that if ESPN is bringing Pat McAfee into the fold and giving him all that money and putting him on ESPN, ESPN Plus, and YouTube, YouTube. they're yes. going to let him do what he wants. That's I, what I, I tend to agree with you. 
I normally I would say that the big hand of ESPN interferes here, but I am I am agree on this particular deal. I am in agreement with you. I think they will let him be because if it doesn't work out, ESPN is going to get bludgeoned, not McAfee. Correct. McAfee will take his audience and go once again independent or whatever the next big. Although McAfee does have to thing. walk a little tiny bit of a fine line because he loves doing game day and he doesn't want to blow that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think you know. the one thing I've heard about McAfee consistently is that he is great to work with. I, t- I know the game day producers. They love him. They say he's a total team player. I know the WWE people. Michael Cole, I talked about this. They but all that- say he's a great colleague, and I think he's going to – I think he's a smart, savvy guy. He's not going to – this is just my take. He's not going to put himself or his show in a jackpot where management is ticked off at him. I just – I don't see it. I agree. Now, if it, my only caveat. If it doesn't, if it doesn't work, it's going to be on ESPN, not McAfee. My only, my only little small caveat is Pat McAfee cannot control like if Aaron Rodgers goes on ESPN airwaves and start talking about something insane, you know. Right, but if, but listen, if Aaron Rodgers goes on ESPN and starts talking about something insane, you're going to say they're going to love it, to, right? ESPN just has to deal with it. Yeah, and they may even love they, it because it's free publicity, right? Well, they should love it. Yeah, right. but if he's going to, you know, if 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 Aaron Rodgers goes on ESPN and starts talking about whatever, anti-vaccine stuff. All ESPN has to do is say, he's a guest on our network. We don't control what he says. These uh, these these uh, opinions aren't ours. And move on in, in 24 hours, it blows over. But everyone shits their pants and they freak out over every little thing. Well, they're they don't very just re- wait out. They're, they're a re- they have traditionally been a reactive organization. They react to people on Twitter and elsewhere. All right. Richard, appreciate it. This was good. All right, thank and, you, Jimmy. Uh, I, uh, it's uh, always great to catch up with you. And by the way, uh, thank you for putting me on a Stone Cold podcast because I think this is going to be listened to. Yeah, that's what you know. What a, what a one-two punch. <laughs> More like a Richard one, a Stone one comma three punch. But yeah, yeah, we we went from the uh, the greatest, one of the greatest of all time, to me, to a jobber, yeah. Yeah, to a jobber, to Frankie uh, Williams. We'll, we'll see you in a couple of months. Take all right, it easy. thank you, Jimmy. Right. Thank you, Shelby. Thanks, Richard. Bye. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, joining me now, as he does every week for our Train of Thought segment from WFAN Radio, SNY TV in New York, my buddy Sal Akata. Sal, how's it going? Not bad. Pretty good. How are you? Sal put on an extra tight T-shirt for the YouTube audience. <laughs> Showing off the jacket. Oh, the summer it's bod. Summer. You got the summer. Your, your Memorial Day's here. Sal busts out the guns. Rocky. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, look at that. <laughs> I've been putting the work in, trying to get You've back You've been working out. The Clearly. Pandemic, the pandemic ruined me, and then the overnights and the birth of my daughter made, me, made it even worse, and you know, I'm finally starting to have some time to go to the gym again. I feel so good. You be, how often are you going to the gym? Uh, I would say at least three days a week. Really? Yeah, and that'll change. Sometimes four. Usually, I like to go four days a week if I could, but that'll change soon. Probably when I go back to the overnights in a couple, a couple. It's weeks. showing. It's showing. Sounds <laughs> oh, ready for you, the though. summer. Look thank that. you. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't really gain that much weight during the pandemic. Give me a break. I did. No, I, I probably, I probably am down fifteen pounds. That's which good. Is a lot, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. for yeah. me, that was. I think I was like two something, maybe a little over two. So, well, what do you anyway. think you gained during the pandemic? Um, about that, I would say about that, maybe a little bit more, but probably probably that. Now I was home every day, not working. You yeah. know how it is. Like, and I would drink more. Well, everyone gained weight during the pandemic. They yeah, said, so. I, I was out yeah. of work, and the work that I did have, did have was from home. But a lot of the days I just didn't have anything to do. I, so I was like, oh, well, what the hell? I'm going to sit around here. I might as well, you know, drink or eat or it was, it sucked. They couldn't go to the gym. So remember those days? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was rough not going to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the oh, pandemic. Yeah. Um, let's see. Where do we want to begin for this week? Well, let me start with this because we have not discussed this. I haven't talked to you in a few days. So I don't, you don't even know this, I don't think. But on Monday night, for the first time ever, I went to the sports Emmys. Wow, I did not know this. I, know. I thought we were friends. Well, I knew you were work. You know, every time I wanted to let you know, I know you're on the air and I don't want right. to bother you when you're on the air. I actually heard you talking about how you're not going to be a Nick fan if they retire Carmelo's Anth- Carmelo Anthony's oh. number, which will... But, right. um, so... So the truth is this, I did not, st- so they had a quote unquote cocktail slash reception uh, festivities for two hours 
and then the show begins. I left before everyone said, don't stay for the show. The show is really long. And when I got invited, I, you know, I made sure to know if I have access to people at this cocktail reception. So they said, you do. So that was, I, I saw a lot of people who have been on this podcast, Right. saw Rich Eisen and had a conversation with him, saw um, Ian Eagle and Bill Raftery, oh, spoke Ian. to them. But the highlight by far was the presence of Rick Flair. He was because there? He, he, there was an ESPN documentary on him that was nominated for a sports Emmy. So Ric Flair was there with Charlotte Flair walking wow. around. Now, at one point, I think it got out of control because I think a lot of people were taking pictures with him. I didn't do what we did at Larry David when we, when we <laughs> took the picture. I learned my lesson, so I didn't take any pictures. For a picture, yeah. But at one point, my good buddy Kyle Brandt was there and because he was nominated. He did some great work for NFL Network with a documentary on the Ukraine situation in football, and he got nominated for his work on CBS and the NFL Today. So I was talking with Kyle, and we're having a conversation, and Ric Flair just is walking towards us and towards us, and he looked like, Flair looked like he was looking for someone. He was like searching the crowd, but he did this no more than three feet from me and Kyle. And I said to Kyle, you know, you get a little jaded in this business because we have on, you know, he interviews all right. these people. He's interviewing NFL. I mean, he's interviewing Aaron Rodgers and all these guys. Sure, I'm interviewing. Sure. And I said, could you, could you, what would you have done if someone at like, you know, when you were like 10, 12, 13 years old, what is it? You've been in a room with Ric Flair three feet away from you. It was, you know, but I resisted having the, the Larry David thing. For those who don't know, one year Sal and I got to go to the a season premiere party for Curb and Larry David was there. And we took pictures with Larry. It's the single worst picture that's ever been taken in my life. Thanks to Sal. And Larry, when I tell you it was the last thing he wanted to do, I, it's the understatement of the century. And I still have severe PTSD from that experience. Yeah, he wanted no part of it. Even I, who yeah. got a decent picture with him, just I feel bad because I know it went against yeah. everything that we love about him. Like we shouldn't have asked for it, but whatever. You're there. We you knew he didn't want to do it. We yeah. wouldn't want to, you know. So, but um. So did you? You didn't say anything to Ric Flair. I did not. I did not. I. I. What am I going to say? I. You know, it's a weird thing at those things introducing yourself to people who. This is one of the weird things about this business. People know you maybe from social media. And then, you know, I saw JJ Reddick there. Okay. And I introduced myself to JJ. And I know, you know, I just said, JJ, Jimmy Trainer, you know, I love you where you don't. And for 30 seconds, I got the vibe of like, who the fuck is this guy? And then it's sort of like hit him. And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I got to do your podcast or something. And, it, you know, like, People, you know, it's a weird thing that, and even people like I've had on this podcast, um, who you zoom with, you know, if you don't see them often, right. and then you see them in person, it's it's very jarring. Um, I don't really have any great stories, but just being around and just watching every, he was by far the most, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like gawked at person who was there was Ric Flair. Flair? Yeah. yeah. When I yeah, walked because- out. This, see, this isn't your, you, you're not into this. For me, it was funny. When I walked out, 
Standing by the doors was Jeff Zucker, the former president of NBC and then CNN, speaking with Matt Lauer. Wow. And I guess what happened. Matt Lauer showed his face there? So what happened? So at the ceremony, they gave a Lifetime Achievement Award to Bryant Gumbel. Greg Gumbel was there, and I wanted to speak to him because he came on here and made news when he said that not one announcer makes a difference for viewership in an NFL game, but I never got the chance to speak to Greg. He was always somewhere I couldn't get to. Um, But I think Matt Lauer and Jeff Zucker were there because they worked at NBC with Brian Gumbel for so many years. So I think they were part of that. um, They were part of that uh, award or whatever. But when... Yeah. So when I, uh, yeah, like I'm like, oh my God, this pariah is two feet away from me. What is going on? Yeah. Yeah. But those things, I mean, those things are weird. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I had a couple of people who I didn't know come. I'll tell you one thing I'm horrific at. I really have to, like, I got to make this a priority. I have got to, I have got to get better at remembering people's names. I'm so, when I get introduced to someone, I am so bad at that. And I don't mean to be, I think I just have a really bad memory and brain. Wait, you mean like when you first get introduced and they say, well, hi, like, I'm mad or whatever. And you're yeah, like, yeah. oh. So I was there and someone had come up to me. Very, very nice guy came up to me. He was like, are you, are you Jimmy Tran? He goes, I just, you know, love your podcast. I'm from WWE. Um, you know, I love how much you support wrestling. We appreciate it. The guy could not have been nicer. Said he listens to the pod. And then I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I just can't. He, oh, you know, geez. I just can't. Yeah. Um, right. Oh, apparently, so it just wasn't that important to you. You didn't yeah. give a shit. That's not true. That's that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I wish I could remember. It's the whole thing's a whirlwind. It's a it's a you know. I, had, I usually um, I usually hate things like that. And honestly, a lot of the times that I've been things like that have been because of you because you always get the invite and would invite me as a plus one. Maybe a couple of times I went as like a producer with Francesa, you know, he, he, Mike would never go, but me and Eddie Erickson would go or whatever. But I never, I don't know. I've never been good at like at mingling with those things. Well, yeah. When you see people, you know, you know, I saw, you know, like Andrew Marshan and Neil Best, so, you know, you talk with them. Right. And, I don't want to you talk know. to anybody. You like talking to, I mean, your friends, whatever, like Marshan well, like, and Best. Well, that's the thing. Like, I enjoy talking to Kyle Brandt because I know right. him. I saw a couple of ESPN PR people who I deal with on a regular basis. So, I mean, listen, I went to mingle and try to get guests for the podcast. You know, like when I saw JJ Reddick, I said, you know, I'm not going to stalk you about coming on the podcast, which was code for please come on the podcast. You know, you're trying to, um, and I saw, let's see, there was a TNT PR guy there and, you know, I gave him a sob story about never having Charles Barkley on the pod. So I was hoping, you know, we can maybe do something right. there. So that was why I went. Okay. All, for, this po- all for my listeners. It's all for my listeners and this No, podcast. you got to, it's, it's smart. You got to do yeah. it. I'm just saying that me personally, I'd rather just sit behind the microphone and yell or sit behind, I don't have to, you know, I don't like the idea. And even as a producer, and even now, like I hate the idea of reaching out to people to try to get them to come on because I don't want to, because ultimately you're asking people to do you a favor, right? Like yeah. that's the thing you want them to come on and take yeah. time. I just, I, I've never been good at that. And every time I, I was do just, it, here's the thing. Every time I do it, I get rejected and I'm tired of rejection. I hate rejection. That's what it comes down to. It's not that I'm not comfortable to myself or I don't like them or I don't, I don't want to be rejected anymore. I'm tired of it. Who have, who has rejected? You mean rejected to be a guest on your WFA? 
I'm gonna give you a couple. I'll break some news. I'm gonna give you not that people give a shit about it, but I'll give you. But this is this is this is for your to be a guest on your WFAN radio show. Correct. Go ahead. So I in spring training met Billy Epler, the general manager of the Mets. I didn't seek him out. He came to sit next to me and Terry Collins, exchange numbers. I'd love to get you on the show, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Sent him a text before the season, good luck text, nothing back. Sent him a text about four weeks into the season, maybe a couple weeks ago. Hey, love to have you on the show. Nothing back. I deleted his fucking number. I don't want anything to do with it. Now, I, it doesn't mean I don't like him, but I don't, I don't, I'm done asking. Like, I don't even give a shit about this. And here I am thinking what? that, like, we had a decent conversation. Maybe he wants to come on the radio and done. Whatever. As your dear friend, I'm glad yeah. you deleted his number because I would be worried that you one night would text him and say, can you please cut Vogel back? I nah, would be. Yeah, nah. I've heard, I'm not going to mention names. I've heard other media members, talk show hosts like myself, have done similar things to one of the teams that they root for, and I was mortified by that. So yeah, I would never, yeah. I would never do that. But All right, so the Mets like, GM blew you off. Who else blew you off? Uh, well, I mean, I, I get the feeling from Piazza, who I love, you know, the DM situation where there's been a couple back and forth and he couldn't be nicer. But every time I threw out like a little, hey, love to have you on, it wasn't like yeah. When do you, let's something let's set something up. So not that that Mike Piazza should go on your show. That's ridiculous. Well, it would be. I, I, look, I'm not even going to ask him flat out because I don't want to bother. I'm just saying like that's one of those scenarios again where you would say, oh, that's cool to have a DM relationship with him. Yeah, but I don't want to ask him for anything because I don't want to be rejected. Nor do I really care at this point. Um, there was one other one that I am uh, not going to mention, but it was a prominent figure. Uh, uh, with uh, in with New York sports, and I sent out a little DM. Hey, love to have you on the show, and no response. All right, text me who that was. Yeah, I um, will. yeah, I you know I, I went <laughs> I just I had this conversation um with Deitch who I interviewed before you on this one. I said I'd much rather people tell me I don't I am not coming on your podcast. Period. Send. Instead of the the tease and the drag along, I don't need the tease and the dra- like. Oh, maybe next week, maybe next month. Oh, you know when I, I've had people say like, oh, when I have something to promote, I'll come on. That's the last time I want. That's the last time I want you on. What about a no response? Would you rather have that? Or oh, that's like getting the message right. Like, well, it depends. It depends who it is. Like. I have sent Tom Brady like 50 DMs on Instagram saying, hey, I know you don't check this, but how about coming on? I would expect a no response from Tom Brady, but Mike Piazza shouldn't give you a no response. No, he didn't. He didn't. I know. I'm giving you saying in general. Yeah. And and it's funny, too, because I figure, look, I don't care enough, but I I have this resource. Let me shoot my shot for lack of a better yeah. term and see like, what's the worst that could happen. They don't respond. Right. But then, but then they don't. And I just, it's that sense of rejection that I hated as a producer. Right. I once had a fucking writer. God, I wish it was, he was a uh, George King. Remember George King of the post? Yeah, New York post. Yeah. Yankees. I called him up as a young producer. Just, we used to have a, a, a Rolodex of, you know, writers or whatever, yeah. trying to get him on as a guest for whatever show I was producing as a young producer. Hey, George, Salicata, WFAN, lose my number. Click. George King of the New York Post. Like, who the are fuck you s- are you? Yeah. Lose my number. Click. I'm never, I was scarred from that at a young age. And you were not on the air yet. This was as a no, producer. No, no, this was, this was like, 
No, this was as a, a young, probably part-time producer. At so WFAN. you're a producer at FAN. You're interviewing the beat. You're reaching out to the beat writer of the New York Yankees, and he says, lose my number? And hung now, up. Listen, Aaron Rodgers can get away with telling Adam Sheff to lose my number. The Yankee beat writer for any, should not be telling anyone to lose that number. Yeah, That's I'm not ridiculous. Sure a beat writer or a columnist, whatever. Whatever. It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous response. And what it does is a young kid like that, insecure, trying to find his way, it scarred me where I'm like afraid to call people. Obviously, I got over it to a certain extent, but like I just don't like that feeling of rejection that we have to deal with in this business yeah. trying to get guests on our shows. This is amazing. I'll fucking talk to callers for five hours all night. I don't care. No more. Guests. This is, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers tells Aaron Schefter to lose his number, and you get George King telling you to lose his number. This is amazing. So th those are the two lose my number stories. I no one's ever told me lose my number. True no story, one's ever told yeah. me that. I must yeah. say. Yeah. Or stop. You know. So there, there are there are a couple. I think. JJ Watt, I've probably sent like fifty DMs to about coming on and no response. But he's really? been on. To, I've interviewed him like three times. So I think and he just, just doesn't check his DMs. Okay. But yeah, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing when you see all the unanswered DMs. Um, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, I was surprised that he was a big Jersey Shore fan. And then I said to myself, I bet Sal's a Jersey Shore fan. Am I accurate on that statement? You are 1,000% accurate. You have I to be better than that. No, I was no, 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 no. You have to let people love what they love. I was not an original. I had the same mentality you did originally about the show. And then I forget how I got caught up in it. And I went back and watched them and I fell in love with it. And I now See, I think I watched I when it first came on the air and was this all the rage. I think I watched maybe two or three episodes. I said, these are horrible people. And I stopped watching it. No, they're not horrible people. And they've matured. Uh, by the way, talk about more rejection. So a couple of them follow me on Twitter. You just reminded me. And I, I, I reached out to one and he's like, oh, I'd love to. But you got to go through PR and then the PR reject. I was like, what What am I doing here? Just yeah, what are you exactly? What yeah, are right. you doing? Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what? yeah but I love I love Jersey Shore. So you wanted to have them on. You wanted to have the one of the cast members on FAN. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, yeah, I know it's, you know, veering off of sports a little bit, but I figured we could do a sports tie-in. I would just love to interview uh, one or, or multiple of the Jersey Shore cast. Well, maybe you can interview Aaron <laughs> Rodgers about Jersey Shore. That would be a, you know, Rodgers is quickly becoming my favorite athlete. I love, you know, I've liked him for a while. Why? We've had this discussion. I love him. He gets it. He gets New York. He's open. He's honest. Now he's got to go out there and perform. Otherwise, fans are going to hate him here. But I, I love Aaron. Well, I, I will say one thing. What I think has become crystal clear about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I think it was clear before, but you didn't realize. I mean, he really hated Green Bay. Oh, my God. Because he'd go on McAfee every week. And he came across as the most miserable human being on the face of the earth. His demeanor, his mood, the way he spoke. He comes to New York and he's basically Mr. Rogers. Maybe because he feels appreciated. I'm not talking about by the fans. Well, that, well, yeah, he, I mean, he's been bent out of shape ever since they drafted Jordan Love and he never let it go. And he, I, to me, every time I'd see him on McAfee, I'm like, why is this guy so unhappy with the, you know, and, uh, in New York, he's like Mr. Personality. So, but again, when the season starts, oh, who he's got to be healthy. Happen. 
Yeah, he's got to be healthy. He's got to perform. The expectations are through the roof. So if they don't, but it's also just not about him. It's also just not about him when the season starts. I mean, you need the coach to be able to coach well. You need no, to avoid he's injuries. Gonna the, he's going to take the brunt of the blame. Like people are going to be like, why do we trade for this guy? He's 40. He's over the hill. Well, I think Even you have to. good. They lose. Not, it's going to be a problem. Well, that, that's ridiculous. That shouldn't happen. I mean, if he plays well and they lose, he should not be taking the brunt of the blame. Yeah, I you mean, know that, how it is, though. Yeah. We'll see. I do think people, though, are going to. I mean, I think people are underestimating how hard the AFC is, but that's a topic for another day. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics. Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The other thing I wanted to mention I am sort of neutral on Taylor Swift. I don't, I'm not like one of these crazy Swift fans. I think you have to respect her career no matter what. She has a few good songs that I like, but that's sort of, but I saw over the weekend, she did a concert at Gillette Stadium or Foxborough, whatever it's called, where the Patriots play. I, I, I can't keep up with the names. It was a monsoon for three hours and she did her whole show the reason i know this is because there was like five billion videos on tiktok of this and one i could not have been more impressed that she 
did the whole show in the monsoon. And two, I said, I got to ask Sal on the pod. Would you ever stay three hours for a concert that was in rain the entire time from start to finish? Uh, I, my initial gut reaction to that is absolutely no freaking way would I do if, that. If Eminem played at Chase Stadium tonight and you had tickets and it rained the whole show, you stay the whole show, you leave, what's the move? I mean, and just get rained on. I'm probably if he's there, I'm probably not leaving. I'm not talking about him specifically. Like whoever I went to see the show, and it, yeah, so it would have to be. Somebody I want to be caliber. clear. I want to be clear. This was not just rain. This was full blown monsoon. It was but unbelievable. How did, she, how did she perform unaffected by it? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It was amazing. The she just kept going. She, like you know, the I, concert was if the concert, I guess, wasn't impacted by it, and it's. You know, I'm assuming warmer weather, like monsoon, cold weather. It gets so I don't know if it was cold. Tolerated. I don't know how cold it was. But yeah, I, when I saw some of the videos, she's at the piano playing the piano. The rain's coming down. She's singing. I'm like, how is the microphone? I guess the microphones yeah, are waterproof. Right. Or who knows? But That's I'll wild. send you some of the videos. It's inc- it's cr- the video. The visuals of it are crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can't answer that question without being in that spot. But you painted a scenario where if I'm really looking forward to going to see Eminem or whoever it may be. And it starts to rain or, you know, a monsoon and you have a couple of drinks, you suck it up and get through it. It's an experience, I guess. I guarantee the people who went through it and stuck it out now look back and say that was awesome. Yeah. See, for me, I, I was thinking about it. I think for me, if I was there, if I got there, I'm staying. But I don't know if I'm getting there. Like if you say to me, if I have tickets and you, you say there's a, it's going to rain all night, I might say, well, I'm not going to go. Right. If I made the effort to go, I don't think I'd ever. I'm not. I don't like to leave. Or I'm not a leave early person. So. Even a game. I mean, if it's ten one. I left the game the other know. day in the sixth inning. It was a great game too. I just don't. What was the score? Um, don't even remember. I think the Mets were up like. Could it be three nothing? The Mets were up. Oh, three yeah. nothing in the sixth inning, and you left. Yeah. Oh, I left in Why? the seventh inning. Uh, I don't want to sit in the traffic. It's a Sunday. It was like I took my mother for Mother's Day. It was me and my mom on Mother's Day. You know, the, the hour there, hour plus there. Then you're there an hour early. You're there for the game a couple hours, the hour back. It's a long day okay. to be committed, you know. I mean, I need to wrap this up because this has been going so long. Poor Shelby's. <laughs> but, but you just oh, I have 5,000 things to say and questions about what you just said. Yeah, all, the, baseball, the baseball games are like two and a half hours this year. I know, but you know what that's like getting out of 40,000 people because of Francisco Lindor bobblehead all leaving at once. You're going to be sitting in two hour, you know, three hour traffic getting on the way home. Okay, so then here's my question. And maybe I'm going to sound like a dick, but uh, why go? Correct. Why go? Because I foolishly told my mother that, hey, you know what, Ma? You want to go to a game? I'll take you to the game. We'll go to the game. It's fine. And How did your mother feel about you leaving early? She didn't necessarily care. I, I think she was okay with it. But, How long were um, you in the ballpark? We got there about 45 minutes early and then left at the end of the seventh inning. Uh, I would say we got there, let's say, 1 o'clock and probably left at like 4.30. Oh, so you were there? Okay. Maybe so four, was- we, were, we were there 40 minutes early, so you factor that in. <laughs> trying You're to right, process... So- the, the point is, if you're going to leave early, you shouldn't even bother going. And yeah. if I had the option of saying, you know what, Ma, let's just not go to this game. It was supposed right, me- to be Saturday at 410. The game got rained out. 
pushed to Sunday, 140. Let me ask you this. If the game was 2-2 in the seventh, would you have left? Yeah, at that point, I don't care about the result. I did not care about the result. For people listening who don't understand, this to me is like a new Sal. I feel like someone is, this is out of, you, this is not the Sal I know. I, it's, it's not at that, at that point, my priority is not, are the Mets going to win the game? My priority is me and my time. That's a change. Shocking. Your priority has yeah. always been the Mets. Well, well yeah. One, right. As I was saying on the air, 15 year old, 20 year old Sal hates 43 year old Sal. But the reality is that I got to get home to my wife. Who's, you know, getting on me to be my daughter i want to spend time with There's again gotta do. It's a nice why did you go in the first place then i told you i'm trying to help everybody i'm trying to be nice and take my mom for mother's day this is amazing you know it's funny i was gonna say to you too i've had a hankering to go to a baseball game really yeah i'm shocked well, at that deal. you never want to go to a game you got that right. And I'll never go to a football game as long as I – you'd have to pay me. You you couldn't pay me to go to an NFL right. game. But right. I think the nice weather, the fact that I haven't been to a game in a few years, I'm seeing all the stuff about the food at City Field. Yeah. I don't want to go to a Yankee game because it's just a pain in the ass in the Bronx. But I, I, was, I said to myself, I got to tell Sal, like, if you get tickets or you're going one day, I'll take along. Yeah. But, but now so- you got to be leaving in the seventh inning of a – well, Close game. I'm going to wrap it up with, with this. Yeah, right. Part of my mood was ruined oh, no. because I was walking back from... Now, I go to the Met game, and I get recognized quite a bit because I'm on SNY, the home of the Mets, and all that stuff, right? Right. So it happened. Now, 99.9% of the people either say nothing or they say, Hey, Sal, I love you, like the show, whatever. One guy, and I've never had this happen. Now, remember, I'm there with my mother. One guy... Sent me something. It was said something to me that he would send on Twitter that would get blocked for immediately. And he goes, "You as I'm walking from the steak place with my mother out in center field there with the big area." He goes, "You are the worst on SNY, the absolute worst." All right. And I just had to thank you, thank you, and keep it moving. Now I, you know the way you that, set the way you set that up. I was expecting way worse than you're well, the worst. Well, Not that that's nice. Yeah, he um, didn't curse or anything like that, but he might have cursed, but that was basically the gist of it. I don't remember exactly, but it wasn't, hey, I like your work or, hey, I'm a fan. It was and that, you're the absolute worst on SNY. You're awful. You're awful. And that got to you. It did. Well, it didn't gotta, get to me. In this, it didn't get to me in the sense that, like, like, I actually think that I'm bad. It got to me in the sense where I don't need to deal with this shit because I'm not built to let that go. And right. I have no choice. <laughs> But right. to let that go, because right. if anything else, I get in trouble. So I have to right. sit there and smile and take it. It's part of the sacrifice, I guess. I'm learning, but to let it go is what bo- that's what got to me. Not what he said, but that I had to let it go. Well, we'll talk about that off the air. I'll, I'll. <laughs> but I. So anyway, my point is, I don't need this shit. You think I want to be here? I don't even want to go to this game anyway. Well, you know, you know, it, day on Sunday, and now I get you know, to deal with this. You know, what you just made me. You know, you know what you just did though. What? Now I want to go to a game with you more than ever. <laughs> I want to go to the next game at City Field right now with you. Okay, now I'm gonna. I am going to harass you to no end about going to a Met game because I want to see this in action. Oh no, my most, god! Most, I told you, most people. Yeah, there was a there was a little incident last year in the postseason, and then this is the the two negatives that you just got to remember sometimes. But anyway, 
<laughs> do you, in all seriousness, do you have? Is there any plan to go to a game anytime soon? As of right now, no. So that incident has you a little rattled. All right. No, no, no. Truth be told, I, I don't like. I don't want to take the time. Like I've already taken my wife and daughter to a right, game. Right. I took my mother. Like now, the summer weekends are coming up. I don't want to deal with the traffic on the weekends. So as of now, no plans. But I do love going. I genuinely love going to the game. I actually want to check out Yankee Stadium because everybody keeps talking about this bucket of chicken that's so good there. So I do love going to the games, but I just don't know if I'm going to actually have the time to do it. But I'll let All you right. know. If we'll I go to a Yankee. We'll go to a Yankee game. Well, yeah. Hopefully they let me in there after <laughs> I mean, call them greedy pigs and streaming. <laughs> we'll go when they let's go to a game when they're streaming on Amazon and I'll go there yeah. and, you know. <laughs> Rant and rave. <laughs> All right, Sal. We will right. uh we'll talk to you next week. Hang All in. Right, there. I'll talk to you later. All right, my thanks to Stone Cold Steve Austin, my thanks to Richard Deitch, my thanks to Sal Licata. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you've uh if you're not a subscriber to this SI Media Podcast with Jimmy Trina, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Listen to some recent interviews if you've missed any of them. We had uh, NFL Vice President of Broadcast Planning Mike North on the podcast last week to go over everything with the 2023 schedule. And a lot of people reached out telling me they enjoyed that interview. So if you missed it, check it out. Uh, Mike Breen was on the podcast two weeks ago. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network three weeks ago. Rich Eisen four weeks ago. So if you missed any of those, give them a listen and subscribe to the pod as well. All right, that wraps it up for this week. We'll see you next week right here on SI Media with Jimmy Trainer. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and take care. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.